Hello and welcome to another episode of Naturally Adventurous. I'm Charlie Hesse and I'm joined as ever by my good friend Ken Behrens. Hi folks. And this week we have a special guest who is Adam Cruikshank. Am I saying that right, Adam? You said it 100%. <laughs> Fantastic. So Adam is a podcast host as well on a fantastic podcast called The Birding Life Podcast. And I believe today you recorded your, your 50th episode. Is that right? Yeah, we had an amazing opportunity to go down to a stunning location and record our 50th episode. It's I'm actually blown away. I mean, we started this last year in the middle of lockdown. And yeah, I started my sitting in my sitting room with little cell phone headphones. And when I put, I actually got to episode number nine, I think, and I drove in my car and I put the podcast on and I couldn't believe how bad the sound actually was. And <laughs> I managed to invest in a, a, a decent microphone and 50 episodes in, I've been, I've been blown away with the guys that we managed to speak to, like so many of the people that I look up to, so many people that I never thought I'd be able to actually sit down and have a half an hour chat with. The whole thing about when we started the podcast was, you know, it was simply, I had all these people I wanted to talk to and I thought, well, an easy way is let me have a conversation with them and invite people to listen in on the conversation. So it's been 50 episodes in and it's been uh -huh. exciting. Yeah, I, I won't say I've listened to all of them, but I've listened to quite a few and you've, you've definitely had um, some fantastic people on and you kind of cover a range of topics, just general birding and conservation and uh, yeah, apps and books and all sorts of stuff. So it's a fascinating podcast so yeah if any of our listeners want to check that out it's called the birding life podcast that's right yeah that's correct yes yeah okay so give it a give it a listen and uh, when i first uh, contacted adam about this he said he was open to a bit of cross-pollination which i thought was a fantastic term <laughs> so if uh, yeah if we if we manage to get some of adam's uh, listeners and uh, they manage to get some of ours i think it's a bit of a mutual beneficial but uh, yeah today we're going to have a little chat about some of our favorite birds from South Africa. So Ken and I lived for many years. I lived in South Africa for nine years. How long were you there for, Ken? About five years. About five years. Five years in Cape Town. A significant portion of our lives. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a very special place for me. A lot of very special birds. And, and I was just chatting with Ken before the podcast. We guide all over the world, but South Africa remains one of the countries that I've never got bored of guiding. And I'm, yep. I'm not sure quite that is. Maybe it's because it's so diverse, uh, habitats and stuff, fantastic birds. I've always enjoyed it. I think I've guided about 20 tours there, but I, I just love the place. Yeah, me too. I personally think South Africa is the most beautiful country in the world, at least that I've seen. Wow. <laughs> and uh, it's hard yeah. to explain, but it's so varied, and, but just so universally, spectacularly beautiful. It's quite special. And, and of course, the birds are special too, and we'll go into that a bit today. And I think just to mention, I think we got, I know this is a birding podcast, nature podcast, but the reality is that South Africa are the Rugby World Cup champions. I thought I'd just throw it in there. <laughs> you know, if we've got no other games, we'll just throw uh, it in. We've got to just say it every time we can. That was a, an awesome game. Eh? I, I watched here in Madagascar, rugby's pretty big, and I, and I watched it here, and, uh, you know, everybody was cheering for South Africa, and it was just a spectacular yeah. victory. Really amazing, amazing upset. And I think uh, it was, if I remember rightly, you beat England in the final, wasn't it? Um, yes. Everyone thought England would, would, yeah. would give us a hiding. We, I didn't actually give yep. us much chance. And yeah, we gave them um, a good hiding and it was great. We love beating the... We, <laughs> can I just say we love beating the English? <laughs> I'm sure everybody does. Everybody Who doesn't? Does. Exactly. <laughs> I'm English, but I was happy for South Africa. And at, at the end, I thought, you know, South Africa probably needs this more than we do. So I was quite... I was very happy for you guys. Oh, thanks. 
Okay, so we're gonna get into it. We're gonna, um, each of us have chosen our favorite three birds or bird sightings. So birds that have got a special meaning for us. And we're gonna go through in reverse order, starting with number three, and we're gonna take it in turn. So we're gonna kick off with Adam. And I believe your number three bird in South Africa is Narina Trogan. So I'd uh, love to hear about that. Yeah, so this this was quite an interesting bird. And um, for those who, who might not know, this is a bird that so many people want to see. It's this absolutely stunning bird. It's got a, you know, this crimson red belly, yellow bill. It's just this absolutely amazing bird. But when it turns around and it puts its back to you, you don't see it. So it's one of these birds yep. that it's it's absolutely stunning, and it you look you look at the colours in the bird, and it looks like it's going to be a bird that you're going to see easily, but you know once it's up there in the in in the trees and the forest, that you don't you actually don't get to see it. Anyway, 2016, uh, that's when my birding journey started, August 2016, and I went through a bit of a difficult time in my life, and I went up to Johannesburg and did a weekend with one of my friends, Mark Titley, and. On the Sunday night, he threw a curveball into my life and he said, oh, I'm going to take you and do something tomorrow morning. I don't know if you're going to enjoy it, but I'm going to take you and <laughs> we're going to do something that I don't know if you're going to enjoy, but let's give it a try. And he said, we're going to go birding. And, you know, it's been said many times, almost become cliche about the preconceived ideas around what birders are like. And I had, I, I didn't know much about birding, you know. Um, anyway, I went the next morning. The first thing that I hated about birding when I first started was the fact that I had to wake up before the sun came up. This was pre-COVID when we, there weren't curfews and that in place. <laughs> and we yeah. we woke up early. I remember waking up in the, early in the morning. And I, I know people talk about the nature side of things, but I think the first thing that, you know, I can almost vividly remember the the coffee we drank that morning. <laughs> and, you know, birding and coffee <laughs> always go together. Good coffee and good birds always go together. Oh, yeah. Ken will agree with you on that. <laughs> and we headed out early. And I remember, you know, we, we went up uh, to a place just outside of Pretoria. And um, I can't even remember the area we went to. It was, I remember, I remember roads such as Slangvach and Rinkels. And, you know, it speaks of snakes. I mean, uh, for those who aren't really bush people, <laughs> those are like poisonous snakes. And, oh, you know, yeah. we went up into this place and it was early, early in the morning. And, you know, I was half asleep and... You know, we saw a whole lot of birds. There was a, I remember seeing some raptors and, you know, drinking coffee and talking and that. It was bitterly cold. I remember I actually had gloves in my hand. I mean, uh, I live in KwaZulu-Natal, which is, I mean, it's warm in the middle of winter. I had gloves on. And anyway, saw a whole lot of birds. And the thing is, I actually can't tell you the bird that was that trigger bird for me, that bird that actually got me hooked into birding. But I can remember the moment because there was this a small little bird on top of a electricity wire and I looked at this bird and I said oh it points oh, there's a bird on top they point to my friends and I look at it through the binoculars looked at this bird and it was absolutely stunning and I think that was the moment that I was hooked anyway I flew back home long yeah. story to get to the Nina Trogan story anyway I flew back home and <laughs> the next morning I went to a place called Kenneth Steinbeck now that's a, a small little reserve in the south of Durban now in South Africa, a lot of the towns, there are these, yeah. oh, it's an absolutely stunning little reserve. And they had these small little reserves that are in, you know, in, almost in the middle of a neighborhood. And uh, honestly, this was the first day of real birding. I actually knew nothing about birds. Let me, let me tell you how wet behind <laughs> the ears I was. I went to the harbor <laughs> that morning, I think, and I took a photo of uh, a bird. And I said to my friend, what is this bird? It was, uh, an, it was a flippant Egyptian goose. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't even identify an Egyptian goose. That's how little I actually knew about birds. I knew absolutely nothing about birds. Anyway, I went to Kenneth Steinbeck, drove around. I remember sending him a picture of a fiscal strike. And again, didn't know what the bird was and just drove around. And I came around one of the corners. There's like this little like patch of like almost forest where it goes over the top, over the top of the car. And I drove slowly through there and I saw a bird in the tree. And I had a little point-and-shoot camera, so I kind of took a photo through the, the windscreen of the car, the worst photo in the history of photos. I tried to open the car door, and the bird flew away. I got two photos. I got home, and I popped an email to my friend, and I said, what bird are we looking at here? And he, was, he sent me an email back, and he was absolutely blown away and said, you've, on the first day of birding, you've got a flippin' Runa Trogan. And <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. I didn't actually understand how special the bird was at that time. But, you know, subsequently wow. going, out, going out birding, I realized how few times I actually got to see the bird. You know, when you bird in South Africa, mm. especially on the East Coast, very <laughs> often times in the right season, you hear the bird. You actually hear it calling. Um, you hear it yep. calling up in the trees. But you don't, you don't get to yep. see it often. But I think it was, no, it would have been the year before last year. We went down to a place called Oroby Gorge. It's a stunning reserve, which is about two hours south of Durban. And great spot for stuff like uh, Nasna Woodpecker and a whole lot of the little forest specials are really, you see, it's a great little reserve. And we were driving down the road going into it. And again, it's like this, it's like this stunning forest and this type of thing. And, and we stopped the car and, there were trogans calling all over. It was like insane. And we played a little bit of callback and one of the trogans came and landed on the tree just above the car. And they were just, I mean, we, we got to see two Narina trogan just sitting in the open that day. And, you know, if the, that small little bird in the wire that I can't tell you what it was, was the thing that, you know, kind of got me hooked in. I think the, seeing the Narina trogan the day after in, in Kenneth Steinbeck was the thing that really solidified and got me hooked uh, got me addicted hook, hook line and sinker into birding so yeah that's an absolutely special bird and for that's those brilliant. who you come to south africa it's a bird you've got to try and see you know what i'd love our listeners to hear what that bird sounds like so we'll maybe play it at the beginning of the episode so the bird you heard at the beginning of the episode was the narina trogan fantastic uh, fantastic call great thanks for that um adam we're gonna move uh, on to to ken's number three now which i believe is long-tailed widow bird yeah so long-tailed widow bird what's special about that bird to me is very much tied to its habitat and its sort of biome which is the highfeld which is the sort of tall grass prairie habitat that covers a lot of eastern south africa um, it's high elevation. It's it's montane grassland up on sort of the high interior plateau. And in winter, you know, it's quite dry and brown and often burns. You know, it's quite a, it's almost depressing sometimes when you sort of drive uh, east of Joburg at that time <laughs> of year. And these, these widow birds and, and other similar birds, they all turn brown. You know, they have this non-breeding plumage and they turn brown. And they they form these big flocks, and they're they're actually pretty hard to distinguish in that season. But when summer comes, spring and summer hits that high felt, the grasslands you know become green and lush and flooded, and then the the male long-tailed widow birds transform from these little LBJs into these ridiculously, absurdly spectacular birds that are sort of like 
for American birders, a red-winged blackbird, but then with a tail that's about three feet long. Um, yeah. <laughs> absurdly long, floppy tail. And, and then not only do they have this tail, but then they fly around over the grasslands. They can just sort of barely keep in the air, and they're just sort of flopping around and hovering in these display flights. And I guess the theory is that this is, you know, sexual selection. A male that can manage to not be predated while carrying this ridiculous tail must be quite fit. Um, it, it's just, so, so not only is it, it a spectacular bird, but I love the habitat. And then I love the fact that it's just transformed so drastically between the two seasons. So, and it's a big part of what I love about birding, that high field. It's a very special bird. I've got a little story about this. Will you will you let me tell it? <laughs> That's your bird. But um, Go ahead. in university, we studied this thing. Somebody did like an experiment. They got male long-tailed widow birds, and they shortened some of their tails, some of the male's tails, and they got that bit that they chopped off, and then they, they stuck it on other male's tails. So you had like short shorter tails, normal length tails, and super long tails. <laughs> and they wanted to see if tail length if it was, you know, selected for by females, because that's it's just a theory, you know, but they wanted to actually sort of prove it. And they actually showed that they were more popular with females, these, these even extra longer tails, you know, but <laughs> once it passes a certain point, it's like, you know, it just becomes too much of a burden. But but then, like, years later, after after university, I bumped into this guy, I think he was from, like, Finland or something, and he said he was... He did some work in, in Kenya, I think, on the long-tailed widow birds. And he started telling me about it. And I was like, no way, no way. And this was the guy that had done the sort of research work. I just bumped into him birding somewhere. It was uh, amazing. But, yeah, very special birds. And they're really often one of the favorites of, of foreigners that come to South Africa. They're really, uh, they're really fantastic. Often one of the first things you see when you, kinda, when you shoot out of the Joburg airport and you, you head east, it, you just suddenly these absurd yeah. creatures are just flying just all over the place. Like along the side of the road. Yep. <laughs> fantastic. Okay, let's uh, move on. We've got a, quite a few birds to get through. I'm going to give my number three. And this was a very special bird for me, the Swamp Nightjar which is quite a, a restricted bird in South Africa. It's quite a special bird that a lot of people, you know, go to lengths to go and see. But this was actually a garden bird for me. I had this, uh, when I lived in South Africa, I was in Zululand, up, um, you know, heading towards the coast in Mozambique. And our land was surrounded by like a sea of grass. And one of the sounds at night was this Niger. And it was just such a special call. And they would often call at full moon. And it's like a sort of tuk, 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 tuk and it just kind of echoes across the valley and that image of me sort of just stood on on my balcony just looking over this grassland at full moon and hearing this very special call and we used to see them you know we used to do night drives across the grassland and often they would sort of flush off the sort of tracks so um yeah very special bird because it kind of reminds me of the place i used to live in south africa and I think, Charlie, if you live in South Africa, uh -huh. one of the, the most distinctive calls, and it's a common, a very common bird, is your, your fire yeah. neck nightjar. I mean, those, they call all over. Oh, definitely. Yes. But it's, it's, yep. it's just one of the sounds of Africa. I mean, it's, we, we get them just, there's a place just down there, but uh, you get them down here just about five kilometers from us. And it's absolutely amazing just to sit out there, you know, when it starts to get dark and these, and these nightjars all start calling. It's absolutely stunning. You know the, uh, what do they call it, a, a mnemonic, like a, a way that you remember the call. It's, isn't it like, dear Lord, deliver us, or something yep, like that? Yep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Pious folks, uh, those early South African uh, 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay, we're gonna go back to Adam to your number two, which is gonna be African black oyster catcher. Fantastic bird. Now, yeah, this bird is an absolutely, absolutely stunning bird, and you know what I what I love about this bird? It's one of those birds that when every time you see it, it's special. It's like one of those birds that. I've never ever got tired of seeing it. You know, another bird that's like that, which is not on my list, is the is the fish eagle. It's one of those birds that can call right. every single day, and you never ever get tired of hearing it. <laughs> anyway, the African oyster catcher. It's you know this little black bird with this uh, red bull and little uh, red uh, a red patch around the eye, red legs, and you know. When I first started birding, I was looking all over for this bird. And, you know, you hear people telling stories of how, how they've seen this bird, and I never got to see it. I literally would go to the beach all the time. And, and let me just be honest, I don't even like going to the beach. I'm not one of these people that likes going to the beach. I never ever go to the beach. I actually live like two kilometers from the beach, but I only go to the beach to actually see birds. And right. The funny story about this was that um, one of the one of my friends was telling me, you know, he he goes for walks along this beach down there, and he, he spoke about this little black bird with a red beak that he sees, and straight away I knew, okay, this is an African black oyster catcher, and I went down to the same beach. It's a little beach called uh, it's a Lobo River mouth. There's an estuarine system there, absolutely stunning place, great place to see shorebirds, um, turn roosts there. Bartel, Godwitz, um, uh, just really so many different species there. And went down there, and it was one of those days which was hot, humid, but the wind was blowing. I mean, you walk along the beach, and the, the <laughs> sand's biting you, biting your legs. It's one of those days. It was absolutely, absolutely terrible on the beach. But walked along, and there was this sizable flock of um of African black oyster catchers, and I was able to get photos, able to get a really cool photo that um, of, of them in flight. It was actually one of the first photos that I actually um, got to got to print. But, you know, the interesting thing is that actually later on became the, the logo of the Burning Life, of a, uh, of a whole podcast and a whole brand and that kind of thing. Oh, and yeah, is that an oyster catcher? It's an oyster catcher, yeah. On the way back home today, I was actually driving, and I was like, you, you'd ask me, you know, what are we going to, um, birds we're going to talk about? And I was, you know, going through all these birds in my head, trying to think which were the three. And as we were driving along the coast, there were a whole little flock of oyster catchers. It was like really, really awesome. And But a funny story about oyster catchers. Um, you were speaking, Charlie, about Zululand. Zululand's one of the best birding spots in South Africa. Absolutely amazing. There's a whole lot of rarities. Yeah. They're pumping up there at the moment. But we went up and did a guided tour with one of the local bird guides, Junior Gabella. And we were looking for the Eur- oh, yeah. the Eurasian oyster catcher, and we drove all the way to Zealand, drove like four <laughs> hours, and went to Saint Lucia, walked on the beach again. I don't know. Every time I go to the beach, the the sand was stinging us on the legs again, and looked for this oyster catcher. Didn't get it. Dipped on the bird. While we were there, while we were there, a notification came that somebody had seen a Eurasian oyster catcher on our local beach. I couldn't actually <laughs> believe it. And, and it was never seen since then. So, yeah. Did you get it when you went back? I still have not got the Eurasian oyster catcher. That's still a nemesis I mean, hurt me. I, don't, I actually don't think it exists. <laughs> it's funny. Ken and I were chatting a little bit before the show when we saw you you put oyster catcher. And, and for us, I guess the first time we saw it was like Cape Town. 
and it's very sort of uh, reminiscent of our time there and those kind uh, of definitely. wild um, rocky um, coastlines yeah very cool bird I, I just saying one of the cool things about the Af- the the oyster catcher also the African black oyster catcher has been the the conservation success around it because organi- conservation organizations such as BirdLife South Africa and a whole lot of organizations put work into that. And it was a bird that was literally on the brink of being wiped out. And it's come back where it's there are fairly good numbers now. And it's, it's actually been a great success of, of conservation. It's encouraging. Good stuff. Okay, we're going to hand it over to Ken, your number two, which is a fantastic bird. It's definitely vying for my top three as well, but uh, I'll let you have it. Um, this is the uh, the blue crane. Yeah, national bird of South Africa, right? That's correct. Yeah, blue crane. I don't have any one specific sighting to remember, but it's just it's one of these birds. Every time I see it, it just is magical. Um, it's this this big uh, big crane, you know. I guess it's about the size of a sandhill crane, um, but it's pale silvery blue, and then it has these um, extended feathers on the back that form this kind of elaborate ruff. And often birding tours tend to run in spring, um, the austral spring. And so you have agricultural fields that are just turning green and you have lots of flowers and then you have these blue cranes all over the landscape and they're they're often dancing, doing a display courtship dancing. And it's it's just unforgettable. You know, you might have some a lot of people don't realize South Africa is an incredibly mountainous um, country. You have these the Cape Fold Mountains, and so you have maybe a coastal plain with a field covered in flowers, and you have cranes dancing, and then in the distance you have a big, huge, rocky, rugged mountain. Uh, it just, to me, Blue Crane is evocative of just how beautiful the Cape is, particularly in spring. It's really one of my favorite places and times of the world in, in which to be. And we'll definitely put lots of photos of, of all these birds we're talking about today. Yep, yep. But I know for certain that Ken's got some fantastic photos of blue cranes. <laughs> really nice dancing and strutting around. They're very stately birds. Yeah, they occur in rather big numbers, sort of near Cape Town, the over, you know, the Overberg. But um, they do actually make it up into KZN. I guess you would have seen them there as well, um, Adam. There's a great place up near um, Howick where they have the Crane Conservation Center, which is you can uh, go there on some cut, days cut and off. see all yeah. three all three species all of crane. three right and the wattle crane is yeah, in that fantastic it's, place it's absolutely fantastic two hides i mean those hides are some of the best hides around it's absolutely fantastic and it's one of, what's one of my it's actually one of my favorite favorite places to bird you know it's got like grassland farmlands and it's just it's absolutely like breathtaking to go there if i've got a if i can go away for one or two nights that's one of the my go-to places for going away for a weekend is it very cool. Okay, so moving on, we're going to do my number two now, which is Buff Spotted Flufftail. So for those that don't know, Flufftail is like a little kind of crake, tiny little bird. If you're going to choose one group of birds in Africa that are really, really tough to see, it would probably be the, the Flufftails. They're, they're just really tough birds to see. As Ken knows, I can be a little bit competitive with my birding and yeah, just um, a little <laughs> and just a little uh, one person that i never took very well to seeing birds that i hadn't seen was my wife and uh, so she she went to university in in durban and she was a birder at the time and there's another great little reserve in durban called pigeon valley i guess you've been there um 
Adam. Absolutely stunning place. It's it's amazing. Just to let yeah, you know, great. you spoke of how elusive these these birds are. I have not seen one myself. I actually don't even believe these birds. Have you <laughs> I think people just put speakers. <laughs> I think people just put speakers in the bush and you just all you hear because I've never seen one. I've every time someone says it's in this place, I go there and have a look, and I've never seen it. They are amazingly elusive, and you are gonna love the first time you see it. It's gonna be a big moment for you. But um, anyway, so they occur in this tiny little park called Pigeon Valley. So my wife used to sort of walk around these little trails very quietly and calmly. And she's seen it like a number of times just sort of crossing the trail and sticking her heads out and, and things. So, and she would always tell me about these times. And I was just like, uh, and I was just really, and I'd, I'd become a professional guide in South Africa. And I was going around birding the whole time and I still couldn't find this damn bird. Um, they, they call in, in summer usually um, at night and they've got this kind of like this hooting call. It's really kind of haunting call. And But, you know, most of our tours were in spring and I was figuring, oh, you know, they're not calling because it's not quite the right time. And in the end, I did a trip and this is going to make you feel even worse because I know you were. So you you were born in, in what is now Zimbabwe, yeah? Is that right, Adam? Yeah, in Mutari. In Mutari, yeah. So I, well, I went through Mutari and, and above that up into the sort of Chimani Mani Highlands, I guess. But uh, there's a place called Bvumba and a great lodge called Seldom Seen. And I, I did like a little personal trip there. And they had the best local guide. He was absolutely amazing. I think he was called, what was he called? Bulawayo or something like that. A tiny little local guy. Um, and he was absolute gold i gave him a list of birds and i think he found me every single one on that list he was just an amazing person and he said at the beginning of the day because that wasn't on my list of, of targets he said uh, oh you don't want to see buff spotted fluffed and i was like yeah I do. oh yeah <laughs> uh, and anyway and i said but you know it's not the right time yeah you can't you know well, can you find that and he's like oh yeah 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 i can find it for you i was like okay and and he got to this spot on a little trail you know going through this sort of beautiful montane forest and he said okay and uh and he says, get down on your knees. <laughs> we sort of on my knees. And I think I, I might have played the call like that. And he sort of, we're on our sort of hands and knees, like looking underneath this bush. And this tiny little thing, this little black thing with these little spots, it was just underneath this bush. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was absolutely gobsmacked. It's still to this day one of the most impressive pieces of guiding that I've ever seen, that he just found one of these things during the day was just amazing and i heard it do this little chick call it was like almost like a little alarm call and then and probably a, a few years later i was guiding in the in a western cape in in wilderness national park and i was walking through with clients and i i heard this little chick, like this little this little call and and then it just rung a bell and i was like holy that's that's a, a buff spotted fluff tail and it was, we were on a little grassy trail with forest on one side and, all, and on the other side with all this dense undergrowth. And I thought, right, it's calling from here. I'm going to put my little speaker over here. We're all going to stand back. And uh, and I played the call. And then this little thing ran across the trail. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, and I, I looked really good, but it was only because this guy had sort of uh, showed me it in, uh, back in, in Zimbabwe. Um, but very, I've only seen the bird maybe three or four times, but it's very, very special bird. Really elusive, really beautiful, really charismatic. So, yeah, very special bird for me. You, you've had this, uh, Ken, right? Yep, yep, uh, wilderness. That's the only place. So did he just know it was going to be there, or did he spot it and then tell you to look under the bush? Or, or how did you he know find what? this thing? I think, I think they've, got really, they've got really small territories there. 
Huh. I, I think he knew. He, I think he knew sort of which bush it was under. I sort of played the tape, and I think he might have called back, and then we sort of got down on our knees and saw it. But he, he knew exactly where to look for it and exactly how to see it. Um, yeah, but very impressive. Well, more motivation for the the Zim trip, Adam. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, You've got to go and find your roots, man. The funny thing is, we the red-chested flufftail, we've seen just, just yeah, we got that... Uh, saw that up in Johannesburg and then came back okay. down here and we've actually managed to see them here. So, you know, I've got that and we've actually heard them. There's this little spot above Avango Nature Reserve, which is a great little spot in Amambas and Toti where I stay. And we've heard it there, yeah. um, but we've never seen it. So it's actually a bit frustrating. And hopefully with the, without with the <laughs> lockdown um, bit eased up, I want to try and make a plan to go there and uh-huh. see if I can find it. Definitely, definitely. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be keen to hear how you get on with that. Fantastic. Okay, and then we're going to get to our top birds, and we're going to do Adam first, and your number one bird is gorgeous bushrite. Um, this is one of those birds that's absolutely, absolutely stunning. We were saying earlier on, you know, there's there's birds that are, that are beautiful, but when you hear them call, their call's not great. Another bird we get, which is very common in our area, is a purple-crested taraco. And it's this uh-huh. absolutely stunning bird. You know, when it flies, it's got this this flash of red under the wings. It's an absolutely stunning bird. But when it calls, it sounds like it's in a torture chamber. So <laughs> it's a beautiful bird. But the gorgeous bushrock is the full package. It's a stunning bird with a stunning call, this distinctive call. It's got this crimson red throat, which is just absolutely beautiful and they're kind of quite elusive they kind of hide back in the trees and call you hear them a lot more than you see them but in 27 i did my first real twitch and we've been speaking a lot about the zululand area and there were reports of a of a malagasy pond heron that showed up it was the first confirmed case in south africa and people were traveling up to go and see this bird it was up at pinda private reserve um like i said up in zulu about four hours from where four or five hours away from our stay anyway we decided and we didn't they were you had to pay for a game drive i couldn't afford that eventually they said we're not doing any more trips out you know we're doing one more weekend and it's free i got hold of them managed to get onto the game drive anyway two o'clock in the morning on a saturday morning we had to be there i think half past seven we left um, coffee was packed again, <laughs> snacks, um, bultong, it's good, good, good raw meat in South Africa. Bad course. Yeah. If you haven't tried bultong, you gotta try it. Ken's a big fan. Oh, it's amazing. Oh yeah. And we drove up, yeah. <laughs> and we drove up and you know, the first thing that was really amazing when we were coming up and this is what I love about, uh, about Africa is we were driving along the fence to go into Pinda and there was a cheetah. And it just stood there. It didn't <laughs> run. It just it literally just stood there. We had this encounter for about three, four minutes with this cheetah just standing there. And it just calmly walked into the bush. Wow. And it was an amazing, amazing start to that. Anyway, we got into the reserve, got into the vehicle, and they drove to the small dam. And we got to see the Malagasy pond here. And I know a lot of birders out there will be like, oh, my word, how can you say this? It wasn't the most exciting bird. And I know... No, it, it's, <laughs> not in non-breeding plumage. It's, yep. it's quite a boring bird. I'm just being just being real. And 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 not only that, the experience was, you know, not exciting. Literally getting in a vehicle, driving there, seeing the bird, tick the bird off on the list, and that was it. But because we saw the bird so quick, we had a little bit of time, and we drove and we stopped in this one little place there. And they were they pointed out a nest of one of the raptors, and the guy said, the, all of a sudden the guy said, "Oh, we're hearing a." a gorgeous bushrike calling and i had never seen one because i was still quite new so i actually got my my field guide and i paged the thing and, and 
what an amazing bird and we we stopped he played a bit of callback and the bird came the bird started coming closer and closer and closer and closer just moving through the just moving through the the bush felt moving through the trees and all of a sudden this bird came into sight and it's this absolutely spectacular bird when you see it it's like breathtaking it's one of the most beautiful birds that you could ever see and it's like i said it's, got very, this, it's very well named eh oh, it's it's absolutely amazing you 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 cannot get enough <laughs> of it but you know what what has been really cool since then is i live in uh mams and toti and we got these little valleys i've started exploring the valleys quite close to here just you know within 10 kilometers where i stay and what is what is amazing is it's it's quite it's, a lot of people are looking for this bird down in the valley i can almost guarantee you that it'll be one of the first birds that call they are all over in the valley yep. and it's been absolutely <laughs> amazing to go down and, and you know where we are we get almost all the bush rocks down in the valley where we are so uh -huh. it's one of those absolutely absolutely stunning stunning birds and it was it's a great experience it's one of the birds that yeah again i never tire of seeing so it saved the twitch <laughs> it's funny how how birding is like that eh? you go to see one thing and then you actually see something else it's actually more interesting <laughs> The highlight was definitely the gorgeous bush rock. I mean, the Malagasy pond heron was yeah. a far inferior bird to that. Do you, do you want to say anything in defense of the Malagasy pond heron, Ken? In defense of the Malagasy pond heron, I would say um, <laughs> it's a pretty nice bird. In breeding plumage, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. In, in breeding plumage, they have like carmine legs, an electric blue bill, these long, silky feathers on the back. Like, it's a pretty stunningly beautiful bird. But the, the non-breeding plumage, I mean, it just looks like nope. a kind of a dirty squawko heron. <laughs> but it's not as pretty as a gorgeous bushrock. No, definitely not no. as uh, colorful. The gorgeous bushrock is a great bird. The the Clement system that I follow, they got a different name for it, which is a four-colored bushrock, which is, uh, yeah, nowhere near as good. Lame. So that's going to yep. be our uh, our natural sound, right? Gorgeous bushrock. Yes. Close out the episode. Fantastic. Okay, so on to Ken's number one, which is Rufus-Eared Warbler. Yeah, some people would define this as an LBJ, but yeah. I don't know. I, I've, <laughs> first of all, I've got a soft spot for LBJs. And second, this is quite a special uh, little brown bird. You know, it's uh, it's this long, slim bird, has a really attenuated tail, and then it has this immaculate little sort of rufous ear patch. And I guess what I really like about this bird is where it lives. Again, it's all about the sort of the habitat and the biome. It lives in the Karoo, which is this semi-desert part in the interior of um, southwestern South Africa. I'm just partial to dry, open habitats in general. I love the Karoo, absolutely love it. it has a, a cool set of endemic birds, just big wide open place. Americans often say it's a bit like the American Southwest, um, you know, sort of flat-topped mesa-like mountains and, and then big flat areas and just uh, it's really a place that's a pleasure to bird in. And this rufous-eared warbler is actually one of the more common birds out in the Karoo. You know, you can, you can start calling one just about anywhere and it'll pop out of the bush. Even the middle of the dry season when it's just incredibly dry you start calling a rufous eared warbler and this little thing will just pop up out of some little bush that's like six inches tall um really livens up the landscape uh it's one of these things i just never get tired of seeing and, and the crew in general i just just love it can't get enough of the crew 
Have you birded the crew, Adam? It's one of my places I really want to go. Still bird. I haven't been to that. I've, I've been to the. Uh, I've been to the western uh, to Cape Town a little bit, but other than that, I haven't done that right. side of the country. Oh right. man, you're you're in for an epic uh, trip at some point. It, uh, you're gonna love it. It's just awesome. It's amazing. I'm I'm actually I'm actually jealous of you that you have such a cool place still to go within your own country, <laughs> especially uh, <laughs> in the pandemic. Uh, maybe maybe as things ease up, you can uh, make it out there. And and just on a on a side note, have you have you visited the Mountain Zebra National Park yet? I've heard it's an absolutely my, one of my friends went there and just said it's an absolutely stunning reserve. So many endemic species and. I think very underrated. A lot of people want to do Kruger in that, but I think it's one of the places definitely worth visiting in South Africa. No, I haven't, but I've heard it's amazing no, no, no. too. I, I can imagine that part of the country must be great. No, it's absolutely stunning. I know Ken, when he's talking about bird photography, he, he often says that a good photograph needs to, it needs to capture the bird. And I remember you saying something about, about this bird that most photos you see, it's sat on top of a bush calling away. And it's obviously somebody's used... Because normally they run around on the ground, but you know yep. you play the tape to hop onto a bush and they respond really strongly. But Ken's got a very nice picture that I've seen of it sort of running around on the ground with its sort of tail cocked up. It's almost like a mini roadrunner or something. Yeah, exactly. Cocks yeah. up this big long <laughs> tail and just it has these big long lanky legs and it runs along the ground. It, it's quite a quite a bizarre little bird. I mean, it's a monotypic genus, right? It's it's in the yeah. African warbler family, so taxonomically it's quite a distinct thing you know it's not really like anything else i know everybody has the same reaction to this bird it's like oh 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 that's actually really nice <laughs> like it's always like surprise at how good looking a warbler can be so let's move on to my last bird to finish out which is african finfoot now this is a bird i think i'd been in south africa maybe a couple of years and I still hadn't seen this bird. I'd be I'd done so much traveling in South Africa already, and 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 tried lots of places that I heard it was, you know, and uh, never never seen it. And I had a good friend who lived locally, and she was big into sort of kayaking, and she said, "Oh yeah, I, I do this kayaking trip down the Pongola River in KwaZulu Natal," and I saw like ten of these last time I went, and I was like, "Right, okay, we're we're going kayaking." Okay, <laughs> a sudden passion for kayaking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so our friend Mareka, who I'm going to get to listen to this amazing girl, she's up in Manguzia, right next to the border of Mozambique. We went and hired some kayaks and uh, we took them on, I think, on her roof rack. And then we drove to this starting point. And then we did this sort of two day kayaking trip. We, we about halfway along, we, uh, we pitched the tent and just uh, camped on the edge of the river there. It was amazing. And I think we'd been going about an hour when I saw my first African finfoot. The way to see it is from a boat, from the actual water itself, not from the bank, because they always hide away and whatever. But yeah, I saw one and it flapped its wings and sort of flew off. And then I, I think I saw 15 sure. on that wow. trip. So from <laughs> having not seen a single finfoot, I went to seeing 15 on one trip. And oh. it was absolutely amazing. And I got some good views as well. A lot of the time they'd see you and they'd sort of creep underneath the overhanging vegetation. Or sometimes if you startled them, they'd sort of take off and fly up. But yeah, we got amazing views. They're kind of a we really weird looking bird. If anyone has birded in South America, you might have seen a sun grebe, which is in the same family. And then there's a third member in the family in Asia called the uh, masked finfoot, which is, you know, really, really rare. Very few people have seen, but I've actually seen the whole family now. So I'm, uh, but yeah, African finfoot's very cool. It's got these bright red legs, really kind of 
um, awkward looking swimming, you know, and very secretive as well. It loves to have that sort of uh, overhanging vegetation. And since then, I've seen it in a few. Often, you know, it takes that first time to kind of break the seal and um, and see a first bird. But after that, they came in a little bit easily. And I saw it in several different locations. But uh, have you seen this bird, Adam? Yeah, it's an interesting story around that. We, Umtunzini, uh, which is on the KZN North Coast, is one of those yes. great spots to see them. And I went there many times. Everyone said, no, you'll see them all the time. Never got to see it. Anyway, I went with Hugh Chittenden, yeah. who's one of the <laughs> exactly. great ornithologists in South Africa. He says, what bird do you want to see? Oh, I know Hugh. So I say, no, I'd like to see a finfoot. He says, okay, cool. <laughs> we get in the car in the morning. He takes yeah. us. We stayed over at his house. Went the next morning. And he took us to this caravan yep. park. Go and walk on the bridge. There's a finfoot. He says, okay, you got the finfoot. What next? And the funny thing is that same day, <laughs> we saw two more finfoot. And since then, really? since then I've gone back to Mtanzini. I've never, I'd never seen Mtanzini before. Since then, like almost every time we go to Mtanzini, we see Finfoot, and it's amazing. Like you said, once you break that bogey, really, how often you see the bird. <laughs> yeah. You know, Hugh Hugh Chittenden has, has has drawn me more than one map about where to find this bird, and I, I never saw it. He actually offered to take me down there once to see it as well. But uh, um, Mtanzini is in my view the most beautiful town in south africa mm. it's absolutely gorgeous a lot I of i think if i had to pick one place in south africa to live yeah it's absolutely beautiful place palm nut vultures around there they're bringing a lot of a uh, lot of special yeah. birds around there lately it's an absolutely stunning place and yeah, yeah. huge Chittenden just knows that place like the back of his hand i mean the birds that guy's seen there i mean we were driving down the one road and he's like I know it's a little piece of water. I've got whiteback night here in here, and I've got this bird here. And right. the birds that guy's seen there is, is absolutely amazing. It just also shows the value of birding your local spot. I mean, he just birds his local spot again and again. Yes. Yep. And the birds he gets to see there, yeah. I think yeah. most people have, he's probably got a, most people have not even seen in, in, with, with all their traveling. Yeah. He, he used to live up in a shower. You must have stayed with him up there as well, Ken, yeah? Yep, and definitely. The, the guest house. Yep. Yeah, no, fascinating guy. Yeah, very knowledgeable guy and a great uh, photographer as well. He's taken mm. some of these definitive yes. shots of th- of things like buff spotted fluffdale. Um, you know, he'll just spend weeks um, <laughs> to get the perfect photo yeah. of something. Yep, yep. Well, Good stuff. I'm, uh, okay, I'm ready to go birding in South Africa now. Um, I'm just across yeah, the too. channel from you, Adam. <laughs> so I'll be uh, I'll be, be over b- swim. shortly. Make yeah, a, make a swim for it. <laughs> No, <laughs> I love you guys. Come if you come here, we'll show you the Sapphire Coast, show you our local spots, and get you some really cool birds. Absolutely, yeah, would love and, to do uh, that. Yeah, if you're ever in Thailand or Madagascar, then uh, you must uh, look us up, eh? Absolutely, you got to get to this side of the channel. Funny enough, I've actually been looking at uh, Madagascar birding. I actually had a chat to Ian Sinclair a while ago, and he was chatting a little bit about um, okay. birding in Madagascar. And since that time, uh, I started like doing a bit of checking of that. It looks like an absolutely amazing place to, to do birding. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, not just birding, just they're just nature in general. Is just yeah, the, the whole natural history package. It, it amazes me how few South African birders come here. And I think partially it's a comfort zone thing because it really is a different world like it's not it's not south africa it's not africa it's it's just a whole a whole nother beast it's wonderful but it's just different <laughs> and it's off the radar of of africans i mean just in general you know there's no it's not connected by boats or even many flights it's it's very weird how yeah. disconnected it is considering how geographically close but yeah hope you make it hope you make it over let me know if you take you up on that off if i can get there if you have a minute adam 
I'm curious to ask you about the, how the lockdown and you've referenced lockdowns and curfews in South Africa. I've, I've heard it's been quite uh, draconian. I'm, I'm curious how it's been like in South Africa through the pandemic. Been a lot of restrictions. So we, the, the initial time we had a, a full, what they call a level five lockdown. And what that pretty much meant is that we were initially only limited. So we, we, for, I think for five weeks, we only did garden birding and we weren't even allowed to, we were only allowed right. to leave our, leave our <laughs> houses to actually go to the shops. So that was quite, quite a, quite a, a crazy time. And in terms of the South African economy, besides the birding side of things, um, I mean, South Africa, a big part of our economy relies on tourism and the tourism industry is yeah. almost, almost shut down in South Africa. Hotels are closing down, tour guides are out of work at the moment. Um, game reserves are relying on uh, big five reserves which would have been relying on overseas visitors are now relying on your local visitors to try to come through which has really changed the industry quite a bit what, and I suppose the good thing about it has right. been is that a lot of these big five reserves which were previously um, non-accessible to South Africans have become accessible because they've had to bring money right. in and then after about five right. weeks, yeah, we changed. We went down to a level four, and if, and and it's been it has been quite difficult because our numbers kind of fluctuate up and down. And the first the first wave we did quite well in terms of um, numbers. Uh, we didn't, but the second wave with the new variant, there were a quite a, quite a lot. The COVID did affect us a lot more. Um, but yeah, I think it's it we've 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 made it through. The economy is is not in a great place, unfortunately. And yeah, we just kind of hope it's, uh, hope the borders can open up so we can actually start seeing some international travel into the country. So yeah, we're really hoping for the vaccinations that to come out so we can, you know, at least get some tourists into our country. Yeah, I can, I definitely echo that sentiment because yeah, we're in the same boat here in Thailand as well. It's very uh, reliant on international tourism. So uh, yeah, let's hope for the best. Okay, Adam, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been great being on the show. Thank you. It's been a real honor. And looking forward to chatting to you guys on the Birding Life podcast very soon. Yes, absolutely. We'd definitely Let's... love to come on there. So um, anybody listening here, please do check out the Birding Life podcast. It's um, really interesting stuff. And thanks again for joining us. Um, like we said before, we're going to play out with Adam's number one bird, the gorgeous Bushrike. And I think uh, we're going to use one of my recordings here. So uh, many thanks again and catch you next time.